How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to Emerald City Hockey Post Game Live. Thanks for joining us after crack and lose four in a row, right? This is their fourth loss in a row, this time against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Team came home. Unfortunately, still a lot of guys out of the lineup due to injury, sickness. Yanni Gord's case is suspension, which I'm sure we'll probably end up talking about at some point tonight. And yeah, I mean, the team just wasn't able to get it done in this one is kind of how I feel. I feel like Toronto left some opportunities on the board. Yes, Simpsonov made some incredible saves for them at times, but I still feel like, I don't know, the Kraken, they had they could have had this one, right? Or they could have pushed for overtime, something, right? A little bit more than what they gave us in this one. That being said, I mean, you're down so many people. I'm sure a lot of guys aren't feeling well right now either, just because that illness is still going through the locker room. It's just tough all the way around and losing just is not fun is the bottom line. Uh, that's that's kind of where we're at at this point. Um, that being said, still some good things to look forward to. Yes, the, the losses are piling up and they sting, but we know that this is not the team at full strength. We know that we are going to get guys back into this lineup hopefully soon. And, and that is still something that we can look forward to. And something else we could look forward to is the watch party next month at Flatstick Pub. Join RJ on February 13th at 4.30 at Flatstick Pub at their South Lake Union location to watch that game. Kraken Islanders going to be a lot of fun. And if you can't make it, you can still join me here on Post Game Live. But uh, really, 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 really excited for everybody and excited to finally be working uh, on a on a watch party with Flatstick Pub. I think it's going to be a lot of fun for everybody who's able to make it up there. Uh, hopping over into chat here. Ryan, just feeling undermanned and outgunned right now. Sucks. It does, Ryan. It does. It's been brutal, this this stretch, these these last four games. Not having Maddie, right? And we know the situation there. Uh, not having Vince Dunn. And we don't entirely know the situation there, right? Like, we still don't exactly know what's going on with Vince Dunn. But his absence is being felt so much right now. Uh, just in everything that they're doing, you saw the shakeup of the blue line a little bit for this one. I still just feel like Vince Dunn being back there, the amount of minutes he can play, the fact that he's so solid defensively, especially net front, and then obviously the offense he brings, the work on the power play this year that he's been able to do and bring for this team. It's been a big, big loss not having Vince Dunn in the lineup, and I do feel like this was one of those games where that absence was felt a lot. And uh, just to hopefully we get him back soon. Berkey was able to come back. He's been playing. That's been good. And then now Yanni Gord being out of the lineup because of the suspension obviously stings. But yeah, I'm I'm with you, Ryan. Just not being at 100% just doesn't feel good. <laughs> it just sucks. Uh, Schultz in the Super Chat here. Thank you. Appreciate that. If we all chip in, can we help buy a goal scorer? Oh, man. It's um, it is something that that is felt here, right? Like this is a game where if you had an Austin Matthews type who is going to score, you know, 70 goals this year, something insane, that extra goal can make a difference, right? That's the goal that sends you to overtime. That's the goal that keeps you in this one. Um, And when you have those guys that can just generate offense like that, I mean, this is RJ and I've talked about it. What what a superstar kind of brings. Kraken have depth, but when the depth is struggling or when the depth takes a hit due to injuries and illness and all of that stuff, it's that's it, right? Like they don't, they still need somebody to be able to step up each and every night. And as you start depleting how many somebodies you have in the room, it gets all that much harder. And so, yes, yeah, so the Kraken are going to need to figure that one out over the course of this next offseason. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. It's not going to be an easy thing for them to just go out and find. Um, and then you just got to hope that also you start developing some of these guys in there as well. Zoe here in chat to quote Stratic, a good team gets a point here. I agree, right? Like this is a one goal game. This was a game in which Toronto was giving you a lot in which you could work with, especially in the, in the offensive zone, Toronto's defense was getting frazzled very quickly, right? Anytime the Kraken started putting on a high level of pressure, they came in heavy on the forecheck. They made the game played in and around Samsonov. The defense, you could tell, got very, very stationary. They were not very good at 
being turned around and trying to figure out what was going on. Kraken were able to get guys behind him. That's how the Kraken were able to get their one goal in this one, right? Jordan Eberle. But it wasn't even just Jordan Eberle down there. It was also Jared McCann down there with him, right? Two guys net fronts. And the Leafs' defense doesn't really pick up either of them, right? And this was something that was evident to me from the first period. RJ and I were texting back and forth. The Leafs' defense was just giving so much ground to the interior. Now, the problem is, Kraken, you're missing two of your four normal starting centermen in Matty Beniers and Yanni Gord. And those are two players that will really take and, and push that down the middle. Their absence was felt so much. I feel like a, a broken record saying that over and over, talking about some of these guys, but it's very, very true. I think if Matty Beniers and or Yanni Gord are in this game, the Kraken are able to put on a much bigger offensive push. They're able to get a little bit more going in this one. Probably not looking at just 17 shots on goal the way the Kraken kind of ended up because the Leafs were doing a good job with the perimeter, but they were allowing things down the middle and the Kraken just were not ever able to really consistently put on a big push there. And I feel like that ended up kind of getting them in this one. Seth with the super chat here. What did Tanev do to the Leafs to earn that target on his back tonight? It's a very good question. Appreciate the super chat, Seth. I don't know. I was trying to remember if there was something from the last time we played the Leafs. I couldn't really think of anything. Um, this was just one where, look, that was a really dangerous, bad play that happened to him in the first one. I mean, that is such a dangerous thing to be cross-checking somebody as you as you're both going in fast in tight around the boards there you send him into the boards dangerously that was a, a really really dangerous dangerous play and i understand brandon tanev being upset by that going after him that all makes sense good with it that's fine i don't know why the leafs took exception to that because that's hockey right like guy does something it was dangerous puts you in a vulnerable spot you get up you tussle with him, everybody moves on. I don't know why the Leafs took exception to Brandon Tanev being upset after somebody did something extremely dangerous to him. I don't get it. I really don't get it. I'm struggling to figure that one out. Uh, that was just that was just odd to me because it it all felt very much like hockey up until that point. And then they just kept going after him. And look, to to Turbo's credit, right? He was he was all game for it and he and he took it and he went out there and he was giving it back, you know, or at least trying to as good as he got. And that's good on Turbo there. He wasn't just trying to milk it or try to just draw a bunch of penalties from it. But it was it was a weird situation. And I I sorry, Seth, I wish I had a better answer for you. But as far as I can tell, there isn't anything like that. Just just took exception to be him being upset after they did something dangerous to him. Um uh, let's see, Christian, is this the return of the panic button? No, because of the injury, illness, suspension issue. I just don't think that it's it's we can really say that, oh, this is the crack in struggling when they have so many people out of the lineup. We know other guys have been playing through the illness. I mean, the only one we can really confirm would be Adam Larson because of the situation back on Monday and Tuesday. I have to imagine, though, just the way everybody keeps bringing up, and especially on this home broadcast, you heard the announcers bringing it up, the fact that something is kind of lingering and going through that locker room tells me that I other guys must be sick. They must be playing through it. They're trying to fight through that. So I, I'm not willing to, to even acknowledge the panic button right now just because of that. On the flip side, I will acknowledge the fact that you've now lost four in a row, and that's not good for your playoff chances as you're in this tight wild card race. At some point, you do need to like win again, regardless of the personnel you have available to you. But I, I think a lot of this can be kind of explained away. Although, like I said, this one in particular, I felt like the Leafs left lots of things on the table that the Kraken just didn't go after. And that, that kind of irked me a little bit. Byron, I see our issues with struggling goaltenders have returned. I, uh, you knew it was bad when Vancouver like stomped on the Leafs last night. And he was like, oh no, what are we going to get tomorrow? Yeah, Samsonov this probably made the biggest saves of his season, right? I'm sure at the end of the year, you're going to look at his highlight package. There's probably going to be three of these saves uh, in there for him at the end of the year. 
just sucks, right? It's just added to the added to the list of things that was just frustrating about this is the bottom line. Anyone else getting flashbacks to the games at the beginning of the season from B? Yeah, I mean, a little bit, right? Kraken struggling to score, good goaltending uh, being played against us, even when we do try to generate offense. Again, though, it's a little bit harder when you have the personnel that you have available to you. Absurdly saying frustrating game, but feel like we're almost just lucky Tanev didn't get injured again. I am with you there, especially on that very first play. That was such a, such a, such a dangerous play that uh, that, that the Toronto defenseman did against, against Brandon Tanev there. That was ridiculous. It should not be allowed. Uh, Carl, for a team who's had so many different players score last year, we've definitely lost that team. We're only missing two to three players and can't find a net. Yeah, I mean, look, it's this is still a depth scoring team. We've talked about this, and it's and it's something that is interesting. I want to explore a little bit more with RJ on one of the two podcasts that the NHL currently has turned into a league in which you can have some guys put up numbers that we haven't seen since the 80s, early 90s, where you've got Austin Matthews on pace for 70 goals. You can get Connor McDavid scoring well over 100 points. Lots of guys get to 100 points, but then you can also have some teams where they're not going to have a point-per-game player. And it's kind of interesting to me that you can still have that, like the lowest scoring and production people out there while at the same time having these guys scoring from a time period in which everybody scored. And I think that's a really interesting thing that's going on in the NHL. I'm not quite sure what's going on with it. Um, but, you know, look, this is this is a team and look, they still have a bunch of depth scoring. Right, Carl? Like if you if you go and you look on Hockey Reference or NHL.com and you go to this Kraken team page and you sort by stats, they got six guys with eight plus goals. They got nine guys with seven plus goals. Like, yeah, it, it's just really that you're missing the one top end guy. I mean, McCann's got 18. That's nothing to sneeze at and 44 games played for him. But still, they are they are getting depth scoring, right? Like they aren't like at the bottom of the league entirely in goals for, although it should it could be better. But yeah, it's I don't know. I, I think this had more to do with the fact that you were missing two centers and you weren't able to take advantage of the gaps and space left by the Leafs in front just because you were missing those two centers. I think it was more of about who you were missing rather than the fact that you were missing, if that makes sense. Seth, we desperately need our team healthy again. I think we are getting close to that point, yes. Uh, Sean, not really. Toronto was just really buzzing defensively. They were the desperate team that played that way. Kraken just played undermanned every night right now. Uh, yes, it's it's been hard here. Um, let's see. Jake, not shocked with the injuries, illness, and suspension. But we got a breakthrough or all the work to get back in the hunt will slip away. I agree. And that is the that is the one worry is just that you don't want to um, let all that kind of get lost just because you're missing a couple people or everybody's not at 100 percent. That being said, it is just hard to push through that. Right. We are we live in a day and age where professional sports, everything is just so close. Right. The differences between good teams and bad teams, good players and bad players is as thin as it's ever been. Although I know what I just said a little bit earlier about how the NHL is right now. Um, but that that somebody playing at 95% because they're injured or they're hurt or they're they're sick and they're just dehydrated and their body just doesn't quite have it, it does make that difference. And I think that this was kind of one of those situations where you you saw a Leafs team that had clearly played a very hard contest the night before and they were still tired and feeling that and then you saw a Kraken team that's banged up and sick and you saw that too and I think that's why we saw some of the weirdness in this game that we got and I think that the the illness proved that it was it's taken more toll on these guys than I think we're we were giving it credit for before just saying um Let's see. So how did how did we affect the Leafs? Apparently not very much. Nine, uh, 17 shots will not cut it from striatic. I see what you did there. Um, how, everything's always how will it affect the Leafs? Yeah, it's uh, 17 shots is certainly low. That being said, like I said, we created panic for them defensively. We showed and this has been the story out of Toronto this year. Their blue line is just decimated. It is not very good. We sh we saw that, right? They they were giving up space. The few times the Kraken were able to get in there and kind of get behind them, they did not know what to do. Those defensemen turned to statues very, very quickly. They were not able to use their sticks and all that kind of stuff. They really very much relied on their forwards 
to try to use their sticks, use their bodies to keep the Kraken to the perimeter. Like I said, it's one of those I wish the Kraken took advantage of it a little bit more than they did. But I think that's that's one takeaway that I had for the Leafs was just that they were just they're they're awful on the blue line right now. And then they just they very much lack depth scoring outside those top couple guys. Boy, don't they? Because this was um, there was chances and they that the Kraken let them have because the Kraken are not feeling it. Their their decor is missing Vince Dunn very badly right now. And they they weren't able to do it. I don't know how much we affected the Leafs beyond just giving them the two points. But um, it it's clear to me they're not a very good team. They're 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 a, a, a decent team with some very, very good players. And that's what I'll say about them. Uh, Carl, I guess we'll have to have a second half to look forward to week off. Maybe that will help. That's going to help so much when they can get to that bye week and, and get a week off just to get healthy. <sighs> I cannot come soon enough. Cannot come soon enough. Nicole, this effort was just too similar to the losing streak games. Again, I agree with you, but at least this time we know there's a reason for it. That was partly what was so frustrating with the losing streak was you wish you could have blamed an illness for and everybody not feeling a hundred percent and being tired and dehydrated. You wish you could have blamed that and, the, and you couldn't this time, at least we could say that. Um, and, and then also you throw in the, the actual injuries themselves, like with Maddie Beneers, the suspension, uh, like I said, I'm willing to look past it, uh, even though it is still frustrating and disappointing light hate the loss, but given we are depleted and double shifting like crazy, a one goal game is nothing but impressive when he had 20 minutes time on ice. To be perfectly honest. I'm, surprised it wasn't a little bit more for alexander wenberg just because i mean look you he's the one center basically that you had if you are uh dave haxtall uh, you know what you have available to be working with i mean he was the guy for you i also think it was interesting will borgen leading the the defenseman in ice time that was something we haven't seen before um but yeah it's no no surprise that in this one dave haxtall we saw a more traditional time on ice for the forwards group as far as what he was deploying it makes sense in this game right you had a group of guys that are you know good at solid nhl players then guys that are there because you have injuries and illness and so he wasn't able to roll all the lines the way he normally wants to but i still thought that the, that he did a good job with everything there um let's see here uh Chandler I love seeing the effort they put in but it just wasn't enough unfortunately on the other hand why on earth do we pull our goalie it has never worked so why do we expect it to magically click it has worked the Kraken actually we talked about this last time Kraken actually almost as good with their net empty as as they are at scoring on empty nets when the other team does it um I know it's it's one of those like weird frustrating things where it's just like you know you pull the goalie and and of course they're just gonna shoot it down in there but uh it is something that we have seen it work this year for this team it's still worth doing i think the bigger problem was the fact that you weren't able to get joey out of the crease sooner you weren't able to really put on a push the kraken very 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 much struggled to get through the neutral zone there i mean toronto did a good job of clogging it up but still somebody needs to just be the guy who can take the puck, carry it into the offensive zone and keep it in there for a second while everybody else comes in after them. I think part of it was that by the time they were, they were, they entered desperation mode where you're under a minute, you're trying to get the goaltender out. You're just throwing it into the defensive zone as a dump and chase at that point, because you have to get the goaltender out. You're trying anything you can to just get out of your own zone because Toronto was doing a good job of keeping them pinned in there. And then, you know, dump and chase at that point, you're, be, you're making it a 50, 50 puck battle in a corner. You're not expecting a guy to hit a shot from 200 feet away either. I guess credit where credit's due on that one for the, for uh, McCabe. But yeah, it's, it's one of those that like, it does work. We've seen it work. It's just, it doesn't work all the time and it doesn't work if you're not going to be able to control the puck, right? Like it doesn't, whether you keep the, the net, you know, Joey in the net or you, or you pull the goalie. If you just don't have possession of the puck, it's not going to work either way, I guess. Um, Christian, I don't know. This might be the toughest time for a Kraken fan. Injuries, losing streak after win streak suspension. The list goes on. I got to think that the eight game losing streak was a little worse, Christian, just because you had it. You didn't have anything you could point to, to to explain it. Right. Like to me, that's worse. This it's at least understandable. It sucks, but you know, it's temporary, right? Guys will get healthy. Guys will get 
back from suspension, you know that there is an end point in time that you can look forward to and have some hope before there was no hope. And so for me, that's that's where I stand. But I totally respect that opinion. I know where you I know what you're saying. It, it feels like the universe is just dumping on the Kraken at the moment. And it's not fun. Right. Like, that's just not fun. Um Jake, only one center was not helpful. Yeah, no, you want want to have more than that. Uh, Sports Beard, hope you guys are doing okay. Tough to have all those players missing. Hope you're doing well, too. And yeah, it's brutal, man. Brutal. B, not having Dunn and Beneers is seriously hurting the team. And Yawning being suspended while those two are also out is just the worst possible timing. It is. I talked about Vince Dunn and what you're missing with him earlier. Matty Beneers, we are seeing this, too. Again, not really producing from a counting stat goal point total standpoint this year from Matty Beneers but the one thing we do know that he's been consistent all year has just been driving play keeping play out of the Kraken zone forcing play into the opposing team's defensive zone Kraken really really missing that as that kind of driver of play guy who's just able to keep the puck pushed up the ice create then opportunities for his line mates that's a big big deal in hockey, that is the thing that elite players, well, it's the thing that very good players do, and that elite players take that the step further by finishing and adding on all of the counting stats, right? But Matty Beneers has the hard part down, which is just being that possession guy. Uh, as I'll try to get my camera to refocus here, if possible. There we go. Um, so Matty Beneers has the hard part down there of being the possession guy, the driver of play. That is a really hard thing and difficult thing to do in the NHL. And it is clear that the Kraken do not have somebody else who's capable of doing that the way that he is. It's definitely a big miss. Russ, can we have a conversation about Berkey? I'm not sure how I'm supposed to feel about him this season. Obviously, I feel for the guy. But when are we supposed to be like, hey, can you shoot? So, yes, uh, the, the power play in this one. I get what he was going for. He made some really nice passes and some plays that nobody else on our power play even thinks about making. But the Leafs on that power play, and we we saw this, I know, uh, if, whether it was JT or I think it was Edzo on the broadcast talking about Riker Evans. That, that Toronto penalty kill is terrible. It gives you all day long to walk in and try to take a shot, right? And try to do something. And both Berkey and Riker Evans didn't do that. Now, Berkey started to get a little bit more comfortable. He started realizing that as that power play went on. But boy, at the beginning, it was very, very rough. I'm willing to cut him a little bit of slack just because of all the injuries that he dealt with this season. And you got to imagine he's still working back from some of that, still building back up the stamina, conditioning, all of that kind of stuff. The strength is a big one as well there because, you know, it wasn't exactly an injury for a while there that he was able to be skating on and doing leg work and all of that stuff too. So I'm sure he doesn't feel as strong as he normally feels, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I'm, I'm with you. He needs more than one shot, right? When you're missing this many people from this lineup, you're getting paid what he's getting paid. You was brought in to do something. You want him to have more than one shot on goal in a game like this. I'm, I'm with you there. Um, Russ power play needs Vince. Agree with that one. Agree with that one. Uh, on onslaught. Sorry guys, but would you rather take this team into a first round exit or sell and get a goodish pick in the upcoming defense heavy draft class? I'll take selling and getting a better pick. I don't know realistically how much this team can sell, how much people are going to be interested. We talked about this uh, before, right? Like Justin Schultz, maybe there, maybe he's, he's there. If somebody wants Wenberg. You could do, you could do that. I just, I, I also know that this team, especially if Joey's going to continue to play as well as he did, right? Another 920 save percentage night from him. I just don't think you're going to really bottom out and get a good pick. I don't think this team is capable of getting it low enough to be a, one of the top lottery teams. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't know that it's really that much in your favor to, to just kind of throw in the towel especially when you're really not that far out of it and you're entering a stretch here coming up that's that's going to be beneficial to you right like the the schedule is very favorable coming up here you're going to have a chance to get healthy and all that kind of stuff but you're just you're just a couple points out i don't know that realistically you can expect a huge return and i don't know that you're going to find a way to get far enough down the standings either to really make it work. I think you'll just look at something where you miss the playoffs by like eight points and you're picking like 14th. I don't, I don't know that that's worth it. 
for me anyway. I, it's not worth it for me is I guess what I'm trying to say here. Uh, Sean, I've been watching the Hawks, and if the Kraken do not bring it on Wednesday, they will be in a dogfight. So the next three may not be, be against the best, but the Kraken aren't exactly world beaters. Know what you're saying, Sean. And look, every team in the NHL is good. Every night, it's going to be a tough battle. That being said, Hawks still aren't a good team, especially with Connor Bedard missing. I got to think that the Kraken can can turn something around, get something going for that one. They have to is the bottom line, right? If they don't, then we're going to be having a very different conversation. Um, Sam, poem time. Our team is in pain. We must call up Shane or we will have nothing left to gain. Getting stuck on the elimination train and be left sobbing in the rain. Very nice, Sam. That is very, very nice. I don't know if everybody remembers. If you're a real Emerald City Hockey post-game live OG, then you remember year one, we had the dance parties for wins. Uh, we had the therapy sessions for losses. And then for the OTLs, we called those our poetry nights, right? Because they were just kind of like, hmm, all right, here we go. That would have fit in very, very well season one, Sam. That, that was very nice. Uh, that was good. I appreciate that. Enjoy reading that. like that a lot. Um, guys, how do we steal Mitch Marner? <laughs> By kidnapping him, I guess. Uh, <laughs> for being honest, Nicole. Um, on the onslaught, talent disparity is glaring. It was for both sides, right? Like you look at an Austin Matthews type, Mitch Marner, Willie Nylander, all those guys, right? Kraken don't have somebody on that level. Totally agree. The rest of that lineup for the Leafs, though, including their blue line, was not on the level of the Kraken. And that's why I think this game is as close as it is, even though the Kraken are missing pieces. It's because the depth on Toronto is legit that bad, right? Yes, Austin Matthews, he's leading the way goal scoring. He's got 38 goals this year, all of that kind of stuff. But he still is accounting for nearly a quarter of his team's total goal total this year. Ideally, you don't want a team to rely on one person for 24% of all of your goals, right? That's not very good. So I, I will take that on the onslaught. I will agree with you, and I will also raise you that this shows the depth that the Kraken do have. Even when they're dealing with injuries and they have guys out of the lineup, they are deeper than a lot of other teams. And I thought that this was a good example of that, uh, this game, just because you could tell that they were able to get some stuff going against some of those teams. Striatic Matthews had an amazing 200 foot game this game, which seems then like the perfect time to bring in RJ. RJ, want, want to handle that one? I, I'm waiting for less than 10 seconds, and I already have to hear Austin Matthews' name right off the bat. I'm just uh, I mean, what they said, what they put in chat. That's that's true. It's not your fault, uh, I, unless you put them up to it. I didn't see anything before that if you told people to put chats about Austin Matthews. No money exchanged hands anywhere. I, that doesn't rule out a lot of possibilities there, Dylan. <laughs> but Austin Matthews, he did have a fantastic game in this one. I mean, his whole line just kept the Kraken at bay. They were just cycling in the offensive zone the whole time. And, I mean, Haxall did praise the Wenberg line and how well he was able to defend against the Matthews line. But mm -hmm. still, I mean, you look at the numbers and, and the Matthews line was just dominant. Yeah, what was the mood and feeling around this team both yesterday at practice, today at morning skate, and then today for the game because they are missing so many different guys? Because I got to imagine, you know, we've, we're talking about it here. It's one of those you want to point and say, look, this team is not at 100%. They have not been at 100%, but at the same time, you've lost four in a row. Right. Well, the vibe at practice yesterday, I think, was pretty good, but I think that might have been affected by a lot of the guys who were maybe dealing with things being absent. So the ones who were there were probably the ones who were feeling okay. But the guys were having a fun time. They were joking around. You know, it was it was a good practice. Uh, as for this morning, I mean, it was a really short morning skate that I missed most of because it got pushed earlier than all of us expected because they're filming a movie and all that stuff afterward. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I didn't really see the morning skate today. But um, yeah, as far as the game, too, I, I think afterwards in the locker room, this is the quickest we've ever gotten through the players. Like we You're had Everly fast. and Bjorkstrand and I, I went and checked after we finished with Bjorkstrand, how long this stream had been going about seven minutes. So wow. I, I could have joined you potentially much sooner if we didn't have to wait for Hackstall, uh, which did take a little while, but um, yeah, we got the players really quick. They didn't have a whole lot of answers to be honest. I mean, it, it's kind of frustrating when, you know, in a game like this, where you're trying to tie the game and you don't get a shot for over 13 minutes, 14 minutes. And both guys were asked about that. And I think it was most telling hearing what Bjorkstrand had to say, where he was asked about, you know, 
what do you think the Leafs were doing? What do you think you could do better to maybe try and generate some more offense there in the third? And he just said, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I guess like win battles and, you know, go chase the puck, but I, I don't know. <laughs> he really was, uh, didn't have any answers for what the Leafs were able to do to the Kraken. That's it's not good, right? Like that's not something <laughs> you want to hear if we're being played. I mean, Ethan here with the comment, this offense needs more of a plan and identity other than slapping the puck from the blue line and turning it over right away. This was a tough one. I had texted with you, RJ. I've been saying it on here. Toronto's blue line is bad, right? They, this game, it was very amazing, actually, how bad it was and how frazzled they could get if you got anything in to the interior, right? But to their credit, their forwards did a really good job of being aggressive with their sticks and their bodies and trying to keep the crack into the outside. I am a little surprised, and I'm curious your thought on this, RJ. Now you're back. back. Okay. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. We're good. Okay. I'm curious your thought on just how much of that do you think is the Kraken missing their centermen that they didn't kind of try to force that issue a little bit more than they did? I, I think that's a lot of it. And going back to this morning, Dave Haxtell, and I guess to a lesser extent, the players talked about the importance of simplifying the game, given that a lot of the lines were going to look new. It's something that was definitely on everyone's minds tonight. And I think they may have passed up some chances to really take it to the Leafs whether it's a lack of chemistry, whether that's intentionally simplifying your game if you don't need to, uh, you know, take your pick, right? It could be a bit of column mm -hmm. A, a bit of column B. But I think that really was a factor in this game tonight. And, and Haxtell pointed out this morning, three of the four forward lines are going to be completely new. And, and they were. And you have guys like Ty Karche playing a, a bigger center role than what he's used to. He's only played center for, you know, a couple weeks, right? Um, mm -hmm. and, you know, and then Shore taking on, well, not really taking on a bigger role because he barely played. Shore yeah. and Hayden, both, I think, under five minutes of ice time. So there was a lot of line juggling, and I think that contributed. Yeah, Shore with just under six, and then Hayden at four and a half. Here's the thing, though, right, RJ? Like, And maybe this is too old school of me, but when you then have a situation like that, don't you? Yes, you could go with a dump and chase and all of that kind of stuff, but you could also be like, guys, just get to the net. Let's try to get dirty goals in this one, right? N nobody knows each other. There's not a lot of chemistry here. Bunch of new lines. Keep it simple. Just go right at them and see what happens, right? And I feel like that would have been very successful in this one. Right. There was definitely the space to do it, and the, and the Kraken just didn't seem to kind of either have the will or it just wasn't the plan, right? They were trying to generate offense in different ways. And yeah, I, I think you look at the first line for the crack and I thought they had some of their team's best chances. That's the only line with any chemistry. And it just shows the other lines, you know, didn't really kind of try and brute force it to the net. Um, Sam Sonov had a good game, you know, I'll he credit did. him with that. He had some big saves, uh, but you got to have some of those that just take the goalie out of it. Yep. Uh, lots of people agreeing with this one from Ricky enough with the nonsense of non-performing centers, bring up Shane Wright and get on with it. Playoffs shouldn't even be a consideration compete for a cup by year five should be the goal. Had people talking earlier, RJ about the idea of look, just sell at the deadline, go pick a defenseman in the draft, get some assets back. Don't worry about the playoffs. Crazy how fast this is all turned around, but it is a four game I, losing streak. Yeah. I mean, you got eight losses, uh, nine, wins and then four plus losses potentially this is officially a streaky team now um i think you still got to try and compete and be in the playoff hunt but the shane wright question really i think you could go either way you know saying that he's the spark you need to get back in it or you give him the experience so that he develops more if the playoffs are out of the picture um it's a tough question because I, I think you want to stick to the plan with shane wright i think he's benefiting quite a bit from being in coachella valley i think he is really getting a lot of minutes, a lot of opportunity. And I, I think he's becoming a better player that way. And I, in a way that I don't know would be the case here, I guess the wild card is how long is Maddie Beneers out? And Mike Benton talked with Ron Francis, uh, you know, yesterday, right? And, and that interview came out and it seems like Beneers might be out longer than we think. They might need another center here, a skilled center. Yeah, yeah. And he would certainly be that. I mean, I agree with you, right? We just saw him work through... A, a period of time in which he really struggled. He kind of hit a rookie wall in the AHL. And then Shane Wright was able to bust through that and get right back to scoring, scoring a big goal yesterday, three assist game the night before the game before we're just seeing Shane Wright really have the benefits of that. The other thing to consider is you bring him up, you play him uh, what seven more games, right? Then you're burning a year off his ELC. He is still a slide candidate. You're still preserving a year of his Crazy ELC. Crazy to think about that. 
I know it is, but that is something that the Kraken do also have to consider because let's say you are trying to compete for a, pu a cup in two years. That is the difference of him still being on his entry-level contract and having a cap hit of $918,000 versus him being on his second contract with a much higher cap hit for that season five for the Kraken. And so I think that's something that they also have to be aware of when they're factoring in whether or not to, to bring up Shane Wright. And I think it's something we also have to be aware of when the conversation goes to Shane Wright. Right. That's huge for their contending window, which, you know, you're probably looking at, you know, two to three years from now. Um, I think it's not worth it having a, a player that takes up that much more of the cap, you know, for, for just a few games or maybe to potentially save this season. Yep, yep. Uh, that's kind of answering Sam's question that he had for you here, RJ. Laura, put me in, coach. I'll score on the power play. Power play looked rough on this one, RJ. You could tell they were missing some people on that. Yeah, it did. And Dave Haxtell talked about it a little bit. He said there were two turning points in this game in, in his mind. And the first one was not being able to convert in the first period on power play chances they got. And the mm -hmm. second one was kind of that just throwing the puck into the middle that results in the Leafs' second goal. You just killed the penalty off. You just had all this momentum. You know, you unnecessarily turn that puck over. But, you know, the failed power plays, that's something he did bring up. Yeah, it is. On Onslaught, it's bad offensive scheme. You don't get 17 shots on net while having a good scheme. How many times does this team go an entire period with less than five shots on goal? I know it was low event tonight, RJ. There is that thing. I This isn't the first comment about the offensive scheme. I'm with you, though, a little bit, or at least with what you said earlier about there's not a lot of chemistry here. You're missing guys because that isn't what we were seeing from this team while they were on the win streak, right? The offensive scheme was not a problem then. Yes, they didn't have an Austin Matthews level goal scorer, but the depth was working. They were getting shots on goal. I mean, maybe again, not a ton, but the quality of shots was very, very high. I, I, I can't imagine that they just lost all of the offensive scheme and they threw it out the window because they lost those two games back at the beginning of the week. I legit really do feel like that is just because of the personnel issues that they're dealing with right now. Yeah, and it's something everybody brought up. But I mean, Bjorkstrand was very clear he didn't want to make it an excuse. But and Haxtell said it is a factor. Like, of course, that affects our team. And, you know, I, I think these guys, they really don't want to you know pin a loss like this on something like that. But we can, you know, we, we're not players or coaches. We can look at what I think is the reality and just say, look, missing the guys that they're missing is playing a big role in not being able to be more creative offensively. Yes, it is light with a super chat here. I think the hesitancy in calling up Shane was also the fact that he played both of the last two days. Probably don't want to overwork him. Yeah, that would be a good idea. Yeah. Probably don't want to make it three days in a row for the guy. I mean, I haven't looked at the Firebirds schedule, but here's what I would do. I would give it this next game against Chicago. The Kraken have just played some really good opponents in some tough situations. If you're still looking like this and if you can't get right against the Chicago Blackhawks at home after another couple days of rest, then maybe hit the panic button, call Shane up, but just give the team that one game to get right. Yeah, yes, um, that they do. I mean, lots of lots of people are just on board with the Shane Wright thing, but it's also interesting because a lot of people are like playoffs aren't really going to be a thing so really? it's one of those things where like yes the community's really really split on whether or not the kraken should really be focused on going for it right now or or if they are then also do you bring up shane for this or not like it's it's very very interesting i don't remember a time in which so many people in chat have kind of been saying so many different things here right i mean it seems yeah pretty divided it's tough right because the kraken i've said the four game losing streak it's a tight race but also on the other side of it, I mean, they have maybe their easiest four game stretch of the entire season coming up in these next four games. So I think we'll learn a lot about them in the next week or so. Right. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I mean, it is a lot of Shane Wright conversation in here. Um, let's see. Well, and also here's another thing to consider. It's not it should not be the biggest thing for the Kraken to consider. What's the rookie games cutoff? Right. Because you could bring him in. And then would he be eligible for Calder next year? Yes, I, I think so. I mean, well, yeah, because remember, we were looking this up the other day for Red Glare, yeah. and I was mentioning Logan Couture had played 25 games in one season. I've been eligible for Calder 41, next year. Right. It's 41. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. But yeah, that sounds about right. That's what it is to accrue a season anyway against your contract and stuff. So it's, that's why. Well, not at least DLC 25. Slide you know. thing. Yeah. 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 But I know for the other things. Um, for like free agency and stuff. Um, 
Let's see. B, I'm just mildly scared of the sac of the Kraken sacrificing too much to buy at the deadline in an unsuccessful attempt to get a wild card spot. There was a conversation in chat earlier, RJ, again, about the idea of selling off and how much the Kraken would actually have to move out at a deadline and how much that would really work. I made the point of, I don't know. I think this team doesn't have that many people you could realistically move out and the core that you'd have would still be good enough that I don't know that you'd really fall that far down the standings to make it worth kind of, you know, dumping off for a higher pick. Right. We well, have three guys that you can move out for assets. It's Everly, Wenberg, and Schultz. Those are the three that you could move fairly easily. And I think you could get some pretty good assets for them. I mean, Wenberg is a 3C on a playoff team. Who, who wouldn't want that? Yeah. Um, you know, and Everly's still a very good player. Schultz has some value. Um, so you could sell effectively. But here's the thing, I, and I, I'll get into a little bit more on the armchair GM chat, but I've been thinking about it a lot with the armchair GM chat coming up, uh, is that uh, this is not a team that's built to be a buyer. And I think you can argue the same thing for last year's Kraken. As long as you're built in this kind of depth way, it doesn't make sense to buy because when everyone's healthy, like, what do you do? It's just guys that aren't going to have spots in the lineup anyway, unless you're buying a star level player, which I think that's out of the cards, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, you don't buy. It's just sell or hold. Right. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting. And I think this next group of games will give us an example. I got to think right now, internally, if you're the Kraken, you're just like, look, let's just get to the break. Let's get everybody healthy. Let's get the sickness out of the room, all that kind of stuff, and then see where we're at. Right. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, they're just trying to weather this storm. They've got a lot of guys out. A lot of guys still aren't feeling 100 percent, too, they, even though they're playing the bug is still kind of going through the room and I think it's done the worst of its damage, but they're definitely not fully past it yet. Definitely. Fusion Mix should have phrased my earlier Hayden comment differently. When I say I don't know what he does, I mean that every time I'm watching, whether it's Coachella Valley or Seattle, he either disappears or gets injured. Well, I mean, the disappears thing would would make a lot of sense when he's playing less than five minutes, less than four and a half minutes on a night like tonight. Not the first comment I've seen here about, you know, bringing up John Hayden, RJ. I understand them maybe not wanting to bring up Shane Wright, but I do think that people, you know, it's it's reasonable the point of four minutes and 27 seconds of ice time and be like, well, then why did you bring up him? Yeah, I made this comment in the press box to people around me too. I don't know why you play John Hayden if he's only going to play four and a half minutes and not fight anybody. And I mean, you see, he didn't work as a deterrent early on. You see oh. what happened to Brandon Tanev. <laughs> they certainly weren't scared of having to potentially face a John Hayden at that point. So I don't, you know, he didn't fight anybody over that. Tanev took care of it himself, uh, which, you know, he can do. It's, it's turbo, yeah. but Still, it's just that he's redundant in the lineup, and, and I don't see why he's there, to be honest. Yeah, I don't either. I like him. He's a great guy, but it's just it's a weird situation to be looking at right I, now. I have to imagine that Kyler Yamamoto is not feeling well or is potentially sick. That would make I, Again, sense. I don't know anything about that. I, you know, I, I can't confirm anything, but that would be the only explanation to me as to why Hayden would be in the lineup over him. Yeah, it's it, I'm with you. It, it's the only thing that makes sense given you played him you you basically didn't play him right i think he had like yeah. two shifts in the first period i don't know that i yeah. saw him after that at all right if you're um, gonna give him eight minutes i don't mind right like there's stuff he can bring to a team he can bring a physical presence he could be a good four checker yep but you know four minutes there's nothing he can do no uh just on the tanev thing we had people asking like why were the leafs really going after brandon tanev i couldn't think of anything from the past other than just for some reason they took issues with him defending himself after the dangerous play at the beginning yeah i have no idea i mean that dangerous play at the beginning i, I don't think necessarily tanev was being targeted specifically i think that's just no. a really dangerous and, and dumb cross check to deliver uh and then of course you know he goes after the guy who did it as he should um, and then maybe that kind of sparked things a little bit, but, uh, yeah, I don't know why him, in, why he in particular had that target on his back. Yeah. I, Although I, at a certain point you knew that fight was coming too. I mean, I, I tweeted this, I said like let, five seconds before I started taking that video, I'm like, you know what? I, I'm just going to record every Tanev shift from here on out. Stuff's going to happen. And you know, not even 10 seconds later, the gloves are off. He's fighting somebody. Yep. Yep. Daniel here doing, doing some good math here to get our point total into the nineties, uh, standing point total. That is, we're going to need to win 20 out of 32 games in the second half. I mean, that, I, yeah, they do have to play at a good pace. That's, that's a lot. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Um, there was some talk earlier, just as I, as I look, uh, at some more stuff here, lots of conversations around Alexander Wenberg right now. 
um, and and just whether or not you know how much you can you can lean on him. I thought he did good. I know this was a tough situation to kind of throw him into. I'm with you. I thought he did a pretty good job against the Matthews line. Look, that line eats other teams up, and they didn't in this one, right? The Matthews goal. I'm not trying to be over the top here, RJ. That's something very few players can do, right? Take that puck, throw it yep. between your legs, knock it through. You know exactly the tiny window you're going to have to work with. Most people do not do that, right? Most of the time, Wenberg would have held that opposing line to nothing, right? And yep. and, and there's so nothing I, Wenberg can do on that no. play specifically, too. No. I mean, <laughs> he can't defend that. No. Now, we know his limitations offensively. He is not going to be the guy to seize the day and go in hard and go right at Samsonov and take advantage of the Leafs not having a good interior defense, right? We do know that about him, but I do think if, if we're going to get on him for this game, it's, it's important to know that like, look, they wanted to make this. I think this was the smart move, a depth versus depth battle because the Kraken's depth is light years better than the Leafs, at least when healthy and, and at a hundred percent. And I think that Wenberg was instrumental in in trying to make that happen. And I think that's why it was a one goal game through so much of it. Yeah. And you, you know, you look at the numbers just himself, he had a rough game, but you have to look at the context of the really tough matchups he was given. And Haxtell made sure to highlight that to us. He thought that Wenberg and his line did a great job, all things considered, against Matthews. And he, of course, he had high praise for Matthews in that line as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I see comments in here, uh, uh, you know, back and forth stuff. I would just remind everybody like, you know, be chill with each other. It's okay to have different opinions in chat. Like there's, especially in a game like this, RJ, like there is, there was legit stuff where it was like, look, you could look at the injury stuff and say, that's why the Kraken didn't play better. You could look at other things and say, look, the scheme needed to be better. I think those are valid criticisms. And some of it is just the other team's got guy who's on pace to score over 70. And we don't, right? Like that happens sometimes too. So um, I just want to throw that out there and remind everybody about that one. But that's that's the Alexander Wenberg talk there um, from us. Because uh, it's, oh my God, like I keep scrolling. This is a lot of yeah. Alexander Wenberg also, stuff. I, I will say this game really, again, highlighted the need eventually for a star player where you can see the difference between a team that has stars and a team that doesn't. Yes, definitely. Um Let's see. Uh, what do you think of Joey tonight? Because like it feels like through this four game losing streak, RJ, all the talk around Joey has gone away. And yet again, it's 920 save percentage from him. Right. Like that's a really solid game. That's a game the Kraken don't have never really gotten consistently. Right. Like this is not something that the Kraken, when they've gone through rough patches before, you can at least point to and go, well, I mean, the goaltender was good. He made 23 and 25 saves. That's awesome. Yeah, I thought he had a really good game tonight. And Haxall agreed, too. He was asked, what do you think of Joey's game? And, and he said, I thought he had a really good game. Went through the two goals that he allowed and basically explained why neither of those were his fault. Uh, the Matthews one, you know, that's a special play. And he said he almost got his leg on it to seal the post there. And then on the other one, that's just a, a one-timer that got through. And, you know, goalies don't stop that very often. So I, I thought he had another really good game. Again, if you only allow two goals to against a team with the firepower of the Maple Leafs, you're giving your team every chance they need to win the game. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's what you want from your goaltender. Um, Viren, I thought we were supposed to load up and go for it next year. Seems like an argument to do some NHL acclimation this year and not worry about the slide on Shane Wright. It's it's one of those things where like both sides of the of the argument have like really good points. And it's one where you could legit go either way. And I don't think you'd be making a bad call. And that's what makes this such a I wouldn't say a contentious issue for everybody within the fandom, <laughs> but one where it's not going away, right? That's what causes this to kind of be around for everybody and why we keep having this discussion, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, a cap considerations on one side, development on the other side, and you can make an argument either way for development too. Because, I mean, there's a great coaching staff in Coachella Valley. He's, he's doing really well there, but you, know, you can't match the NHL speed. There's nothing else like it. There's no substitute. Yep. So yep. go either way. Definitely, Viren. Uh, six games in each of two seasons kills your rookie eligibility. How many games did he have last year? Ooh, let me check. I think he he got to the limit. No, he had like nine. He, got, he had eight. Six. He had eight. Eight. I mean eight. So, yeah. So if he was to play three more games this year, then yeah, you're not looking at Calder. I again, that shouldn't be a thing to to be worried Don't about. Don't worry about that. 
but it's something that maybe if you it, because it is such an on the fence issue, maybe that does sway somebody one direction. He wouldn't win it anyway because he'd be everyone think he's too old, and Celebrini would just get the benefit of the doubt for being eighteen. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, <laughs> Sean, missing Dunn is devastating. If 29 and 37 are in the lineup, the Kraken get two points tonight, period. I mean, we had conversations earlier in here, RJ, about like, you know, this is one of those times where it's good teams find a way to at least get a point out of it. And I do think that that is something to consider. I do wonder, like, if you had just one of Vince Dunn, Matty Beneers, or Yanni Gord, I think that does happen tonight. Yeah, I think they at least get to overtime. And you saw the first game, I think, where you have a real effect here, um, like a lineup effect, I guess, of missing Vince Dunn. And Hackstall alluded to that a little bit, too. Because I don't know if you noticed, but for some of those shifts against the Matthews line, it was Brian Dumoulin paired with Adam Larson. Yep. He switched up the D pairs a little bit. And Hackstall said he did that intentionally. He said, because, look, the Matthews line is so good. That's, that's a lot to put on a young player, you know, to have him out there for such extended time against a line like that so he just wanted two veterans out there and you know i think brian dumoulin you know he's a, he's a fine player he's good defensively but him versus a vince dunn or heck even a Riker evans who could maybe break out the puck a little better i do think that's a bit of a downgrade and so you start to feel the effect of that yeah i uh, no, i i think that's that's the case it's so it's one of those like yeah good teams find a way to get a point yes i just think because you're missing like five four five guys like you know, how are you supposed to get there yeah, and i, I but, do hate to bring it up as much as we do because i know it just sounds like we're you know making excuses, excuses or whatever but yeah. but it, it it does make a difference right it is it's a big one like look at look at our lineup graphic for tonight versus the lineup graphic from any of the games during the win streak right like it is a difference, right? And these guys are, are they are our difference makers, right? Yanni Gord, because that's that's another thing, right? Wenberg's line was able to produce and get going offensively, right, through a lot of stretches. And you got to imagine if Yanni Gord's back, Yanni Gord's taken on the Matthews line, right? Yanni Gord's oh, line yeah. sticking on the Matthews line. It opens up then Wenberg's line to do a little bit more. If Matty Beneers is in here, you're really seeing him specifically and his skill set take advantage of the weak interior defense of the Toronto Maple Leafs. The possession game is flipped in this one because of his presence alone. So many things change just from having those you have guys an actual in the fourth line. Right. Plays. You have a normal fourth <laughs> line that could maybe pitch in a goal here or there and really take advantage of the fact that the Leafs don't. Right. Like they were like a three line team tonight. And so I think there is a lot of those things and it is frustrating and it isn't. But it isn't. Yeah, maybe it is just making excuses. I don't know. But it's it's one of those things that you just I can't help but look at it and just go, boy, if this team was healthy, this team, this game goes so differently. Like, it's not even funny how different this game goes. Ugh. Ugh. Um, we're talking about Joey here and his human save percentage of 920 RJ. <laughs> it's tough. Uh, Striatic asking, were there many Toronto fans in attendance tonight compared to the typical away team presence? I was curious about this going in. Yeah, there was a fair amount of Leafs fans. I, I didn't see many during warmups on the Leafs side. I was like, oh man, there's just not many of them. But a lot of them were already in their seats and they were kind of sprinkled all around the arena. Uh, there was definitely a lot of noticeable go Leafs go chance i don't know if you caught them on the broadcast but it was uh it was pretty loud there was that one time where the leafs were just cycling in the offensive zone in the third second wait second period um <laughs> for a while it was like that two minute shift or so where they had the crack and just totally trapped on the ice that wenberg line um mm -hmm. and yeah there was just the loudest probably the loudest away team chance that i've heard so far in this building um overall attendance pretty light tonight i was surprised for a weekend game interesting uh yeah and especially because it started a little bit earlier so like you have that benefit uh i am curious also about this and i'm sure i'm the only question with this any booze when buble was shown on the twins wearing the vancouver giants jersey no they were just saying buble no um no i didn't hear any booze Mm, interesting interesting not a big junior hockey crowd then i, I would be my guess uh kaylin good job with the camera we're catching grew with the stick i hope he sees it with the song going i feel like he would appreciate it yeah i, I think he would too i i, I was great i was just kind of waiting around you know not really expecting anything from grubauer and then i saw him over there with some of uh, the skater sticks and uh, I'm like, oh, I'll just record this. We'll see if he does anything interesting. And yeah, he certainly delivered. 
Um, and again, credit to uh, Nicole for the inspiration on the music. That was awesome. Yes, definitely. Uh, just going to throw out like a quick last call thing for everybody as I get down here towards uh, the bottom of chats. Uh, Stratic saying, I wonder why Gru was actually excited about the skater stick. Obviously, he's seen skater sticks before, but it looked like maybe it was a special model of stick. And that's what caught his interest. I was wondering about the curve RJ maybe got his, Wait, I got his eye. I think it might have been a specific players. I don't know who. But maybe there's somebody's like, oh, it's this guy's stick. Let's see what he's working with. And then it just looks like, oh, man, the curve potentially. I, <laughs> I, I do want to ask him about that. It was way after practice, so I didn't have the yeah. chance to. But uh, I might uh, ask him about that one. Yeah, we, we do need to know whose stick it was and maybe why he was interested in it. Uh, that would be an interesting thing uh, to know. And yeah, I was going to mention it afterwards, RJ, but that was good stuff that you, you got up out there. Uh, it seemed Thank to you. kill all the Buble stuff, too. Like, it was a lot yeah. more popular, it seemed like. <laughs> and as it should be, it's Gru with the with the skater stick. He looked good. Yeah. Should have had him out uh, there. Cer I certainly enjoyed it more than the, the Blue Boy stuff. So I'm proud of all of you for recognizing where, where the real greatness was. Yeah, on the fly poll, would he have had more minutes than John Hayden if Gru was playing skater? <laughs> you know what? He might have. That was my <laughs> other thought, too, is, hey, they need forwards. They need forwards. Um, let's see. Um, a Ducks fan in here. That's interesting. That's new. <laughs> uh but welcome david welcome i look ducks struggling this year yes you guys got a bright future so nobody is higher players. on the future of the ducks than dylan so there's that that is, that is true i'm i'm pumping that stock high 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 uh kaylin wondering maybe the stick was boobles oh maybe huh well not because it was well, actually it might have been i don't know if the it timing been. works for that or not yeah it was still about half an hour at least before boobles got out on the ice but it, i mean it could have just been sitting there yeah um zoe someone asked about the skills showcase do you know if that's still happening this year uh <laughs> look i saw on twitter look because i i know what you're struggling with right now i saw on twitter someone said season ticket holder reps are telling people it's not so the okay, words are then i can i can confirm it's not happening yes, yes yeah it's it's not happening which is disappointing i thought yeah. it was one of the better events the kraken had put on uh, one thing I really loved about it was something that everyone had a chance to go to. I think tickets were only 10 bucks. You yeah. know, it was a really accessible, mm -hmm. fun day for a lot of people who look, it's not cheap to get into this building for a game. It's it's very difficult. And I think there's a lot of people that go to the skills showcase because, you know, for one reason or another, they just can't afford to go to a game and they want to see their favorite team. And I hope they bring it back next year. Yeah, no, definitely. It is it's a whole different can of worms. But yes, on some nights, the Seattle Kraken are the most expensive NHL game. Like it's yeah. it's that's a reality that, that everyone's got to real deal with. But yeah, it's a, it's really unfortunate that we're not getting that one. Um, let's see, Light. You guys know I have nothing but love for Maddie, but I feel like McCann has replaced him well. Dunn has been a bigger loss. I do think that at this point, Dunn, missing Dunn is is a big deal. But the possession, the possession driving capabilities of Maddie Veneers. It's they need yeah, I mean, it. And you, yeah, and you look at when the losing streak starts, and it's when you you know you lose Maddie Veneers. I guess you also lose Vince Dunn after that, so it's hard to. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I still think McCann's just a heck of a player. Like you don't have an equivalent of Jared McCann on defense that you that was happening to be on like the third D pair that you could just move up, you know, into that spot. I guess Riker Evans is the closest you have, but still, McCann's a veteran. He's your leading goal scorer. It's it's a different kind of game. Yep, definitely. Nicole, that is disappointing. Really, the only way I can get me and my brother into the building. I feel you, Nicole. I, yeah. I, I totally feel that. Um, Alan, that's a travesty. We need something like that to lift some spirits. And for that not to be a thing this season is a huge letdown. Um, Edward, no skill showcase is the biggest L of the night, in my humble opinion. I think I'm, I'm with you there, Edward. I think that's, that's probably yeah. true. I think it'd be good for the guys right about now, too. Yeah. Like, let them have some fun, blow off some steam after a year that's been very difficult, up and down. I can't imagine an athlete, you're based off of routine. That's how that's how you succeed as a professional athlete. I got to imagine massive win and losing streaks are not good for that. Yeah, just a, a day where everyone's just there to have fun. I, I yeah. don't know, it was great. Although last year it was timed pretty poorly. I remember the guys had just gotten back from a road trip and they were exhausted. Maybe that had something to do with it, but I feel like there might be ways around that. Yeah, probably. Um, so it'd be interesting if Dunn comes back before Maddie, because then it'll be more obvious if Dunn makes a difference. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that is a reason to maybe just root for one of them to come back before the other. 
Yeah. In, you know, whatever I mean, order. It's, it's tough. It's a little apples and oranges, though, because they play two different positions, right? Like, difference doing what specifically, right? Like, I don't know. Just overall, yeah. I guess. They, the difference in them winning or losing. Um, like, I think about can- how big Adam Larson's smile is. Uh, we know we already know we, we already know what that would be. You've got the guy that's his like best friend versus the guy who constantly beats him in Mario Kart. Like I know who I'd be <laughs> smiling more for. Yeah. Um it would be you, RJ, by the way. Person who I don't think has ever beaten me in Mario Kart. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> Granted, I don't know that we've really played that much, so either. Yeah been a while um cba looks kind of gloomy with the lights on i'm used to seeing the game lights still on during the post game live sure. yeah no the, the, a lot of the lights have uh shut off here already it's a very different feel um let's see yeah sydney saying i read something about it not working with a travel schedule this year maybe they decided because of the tiredness last year to avoid that it's very very possible very very possible um byron more rest for the guys is good at this point in the season sucks they couldn't make it work later though agreed it's something i mean maybe next year it would be kind of a fun thing to do like right at the beginning of the year too like coming out of training camp i don't know Mm -hmm. yeah when everyone's should be more or less pretty rested and just kind of kick off the season that way yeah get people excited all that kind of stuff that's personally what i would do but you know what do I know? <laughs> As I'm sure many of the Kraken building often say. Uh, all right, RJ. Thanks so much, everybody, for joining us for this one. Thanks, everybody, who gave the super chats. And then I was pumping it earlier, RJ. But that live watch party over at the South Lake Union Flatstick Pub next month against the Islanders on February 13th, 4.30 game time start. Really, really excited for you and everybody else who's going to be able to be there. Yeah, can't wait. Uh, go in there actually right before the next game against Chicago to kind of get the layout for how we're going to incorporate the post game. We're going to have some really fun ideas there uh, as well. And I will get a graphic made for it, Dylan. I, I've been needing <laughs> to do that. I will get right on it so we can just throw that everywhere on social media and uh, spread the word. Yeah, we're still spreading the word now. I got to imagine it's going to be a lot of fun for everybody who's able to make it out there. And again, if you're not able to make it out, you're not local to Seattle, then look, still join me over on post game. We will have RJ and people joining in from flat stick. It'll make it a lot of fun. We'll all still be able to get in and enjoy some of that fun as well. Thank you everybody for joining us for this one. New deep dive out tomorrow. So look forward to that, everyone. And we will see you all next time.